Toy Hut. Let's go to Toy Hut, the ultimate Star Wars fan store. Created by collectors for collectors. Go to toyhut.com with two T's and Hut. Toy Hut ships worldwide daily. Custom Jet the Hut shipping boxes are made just for action figures. They know what the adult collector expects. <laughs> toy Hut. Just Toy Hut. Just Toy Hut. <laughs> Our official sponsor, Jet's Toy Hut. Once again. Thanks, hey Jet's. Uh, hut. To be... <laughs> Uh, you can find them at toyhut.com. That's T O Y H U T T dot com. I want to see the picture of Jet again. Yeah, from the, t- the from, toy from toyhut.com. Or J T H if you're into that whole brevity thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a bounty hunter. Look at him. That's not Mandalorian armor. That's not your old man's. That's not your dad's bounty hunter. Uh, if you go to their website, uh, be sure to check out with the code caustic. And save 10% on all your orders. 10% off. Da, 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 da. Super awesome. <laughs> they got more action figures than uh, that Toydarian character on Tatooine. <laughs> than all the Toydarians together. Yeah. And they're named Toydarians for a reason. Yeah, so that's exactly. pretty impressive. Very impressive. Just ask size Snoodles. But, you know, Republic credits d- don't work on ToyHut.com no. either. Only money. They certainly have excellent lightsabers. Look at that. The Yoda Force FX Master Replica Lightsaber. Unopened. Factory sealed. I know. That's nice. And they have boxes that are specifically designed for action figures so that your shipments get there safely. You must go to ToyHut.com. There you will buy a Yoda action figure, the Jedi Master who instructed me. The children were nestled all snug in their beds, while visions of Ragnarok danced in their heads. I'm Joe Fulgham. Kidnapped and taken to Spain? As a punishment? You crazy Dutchman! I'm Kevin Leeson. On the first day of Christmas my true love gave to me economic deadweight loss. I'm Torn Atkinson. Merry Caustic Soda! Ho ho ho! Welcome to our Chris, our special Christmas episode of Caustic Soda, everyone, fair or, listeners. Or as I like to call it, a, as a dirty atheist, Xmas. Oh, well, here's the thing about Xmas, oh, though. I know. Go ahead. X is the abbreviation for Christ. No, traditionally, no, it's the, uh, the Greek, it's reminiscent of the crucifix. It's from well, it's the but Greek also letter the first, chi. yeah, the first letter from Greek Christos. I thought it was a whole crucifix thing. I thought they were that would be Timus. They were going to invent. You know, it would be Timus, a little team, a little T, not a capital T. <laughs> you know, he didn't get crucified on Christmas. Oh, that would have saved a lot of time and hassle. <laughs> <laughs> Put him up. <laughs> no, we could have. We could have had uh, you know Mardi Gras right after on the saved, day after Christmas. Would have saved wood too. It would have been a much smaller cross. Well, it's just been the same day. The birthday is same as the death. We're going to lose listeners for that. I'm sorry. <laughs> and of course, Yule is uh, Old Norse. Yol, oh. or a, which is a heathen feast yeah. that are taken over by Christianity. Mm, eating heathens. 
Yeah, it's my understanding that like uh, when they do the research and research, I'm going to air quote that research on the Bible. They found that they find that Sauron was actually no. Uh, when they do, when they look into the Bible and the details around this, uh, they that he was probably born somewhere around April, if he was born at all. Yeah, there's passages in the Bible that say shepherds seeing the star of Bethlehem or some right. such business. Uh, yeah, and they were out at night, and shepherds aren't normally out at night except for in the summer. Right. Therefore, Christ was born probably in the spring or summer. Right. And the reason that they celebrated in on December 25th is because of certain pagan holidays and they yeah. tried to call. Oh, yeah. When the, uh, so the, many of those we can talk about. Christians were co-opting all sorts of pagan celebrations. But before we get into that, oh, yeah. okay. do you guys know what hagiophobia is? It's a uh, fear of hagios. Fear of the hag. It's an exaggerated or traditional or irrational fear or dislike of saints and holy things. Oh, damn it. You know what I mean? So if that. you were afraid of Saint that. Nick... You would have hagiophobia. <laughs> Do you guys know what pagonophobia is? Oh, uh, pagans. Fear of pagans. Close. Fear of pagodas? No, that would be pagodophobia. The fear of beards. Beards? Ah. Pogonophobia. Pagono. Pogonophobia. Oh, oh, I thought you said yeah. pagona. Pogonophobia. <laughs> it would have totally changed your answer if it had been pagono. Now, if you were a dendrophobe. Dendro. Oh, I know what that root word is. Fear of head and shoulders. That would be dandro. Dandrophobia. Well, dandrophobia would actually love head and shoulders because we have fear of dandruff. Dandrophobia. Ah, oh, I know that word. It's uh, one of the lyrics in the Darkest of the Hillside Thickets song, Worship Me Like a God. Is it fear of gods? No, it's no. the fear of trees. Oh. oh. So if you were a dendrophobe, you would not have a Christmas tree in your house. I guess not. Also, if you were not. That's going to be a rough fear. Christian well, I guess or... it, living in most <laughs> cities, you could get away with it. Like, what would be, you know, I mean, when you talk about fears, like, then if they're near a tree, a dendrophobe, if they're near a tree, they're just literally. It terrified, petrified. You couldn't get them into petrified. You couldn't like get them into get, Sherwood get Forest. Them yeah, they wouldn't. Yeah, they they'd, be, they'd make terrible merry men. <laughs> Sir, I protest. I am not a merry man. And so, what they, to get them over it? Do they make they make them go logging. I do. Who who cares? Exposure. Why there? do they Exposure need to get over with it? Yeah, let them be afraid of trees. So you wander. More, hey man, more trees for the rest of us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Screw those tenderphobes. <laughs> that's how, that's no, how I feel about vegetarians. No charity for them. They more, all celebrate Festivus. They all celebrate Festivus because there's the uh, the aluminum pole. Oh, we'll talk about Festivus tree. later. And deepnophobia. That's D E I P nophobia. Oh, it sounds very much like it's spelled like sleepnophobia, which would be fear of Odin's six legged horse. Or is it eight legged? Eight legged. Eight-legged. Sleepner. Deepnerphobia. The fear of dining or dinner conversations. The fear Traditionally, of dinner conversations. Christmas relatives will. Yeah, no, I, I get fear of dinner conversations with some of my relatives, but it does uh, in a generalized sense. No, I get fed so much at, at, during Christmas time by my family. I, we can't talk. Yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> the Christmas conversations like this. My mother is a feeder. I'm sorry, Mom, but I do kind of blame you for my bad eating habits. She's a fat enabler. Yeah, she really is. Let's go to the science section. Science of Christmas? Tell me more, Torin. The Star of Bethlehem. All right. Let's talk about uh, astronomy Okay. for a second. Right. Sure. Now, the Star of Bethlehem could have been... A comet? Could have been... Probably not a comet. No? Because comets were traditionally bad omens. Okay. Mm-hmm. Supernova. Uh, on March and April of the year 5 B.C., Okay. A supernova appeared in the constellation Capricornus. You called it! Kaboom. The star that suddenly appeared glowed for approximately 70 days before fading again. Alternately, conjunction of planets. Mm, conjunction, yeah. junction, what's your function? Lining <laughs> up planets and... 
making Jesus be born. <laughs> June 17th, 2 BC, Venus and Jupiter appeared so close together in the evening sky, they would appear to be one very bright star. Yeah, but the, the mm-hmm. royal astronomers would have known that. They would have been like, oh, look, that's both of them together. Really? But maybe they royal would have astronomers? Two, 2 BC? Yeah, there were astronomers. That's what the wise men were, apparently. They studied the, they studied the skies. Hmm? I thought they were still, uh, you know, uh, killing astronomers for... Oh, probably were doing that, too. Yeah, for being uh, all uppity in God's face. <laughs> you know, like, trying not, not the out, center of the universe. Trying but, to suss out the oh, universe. That was yeah. later. That was Galileo? That's the end of the science section. Whoa, that was short. That's it? I thought you had more. You looked like you had a, gl- a science glint in your eye. I thought, there was, uh, <laughs> thought we had a little more coming. It's strange. It's almost like there's not much science involved in this. So... Jesus is the reason for the season. Well, unless well, that's, that's or the Christian Jesus, depending on what side of the border you're on. Well, we were talking about uh, what was the origin of Christmas. All right, let's get into that. I know the Scandinavian Santa Claus has a much longer robe. That's, longer that's Santa Claus. Robe? Yeah, he's got like a like a like an ankle length robe instead of like a like a short little jacket. Oh, didn't know that. Yeah, see, I've seen depictions. Well, there's certainly uh, pictures of Santa Claus. And he's in more in a pope garb. He's got like a little mitre and everything. Mitre being the pope hat. Mm-hmm. But we could talk about Saturnalia. All right, let us. It's an ancient Roman festival that was held in honor of the god Saturn. Yes. Ah, and who was he? The who was he? The god of what was his aspects? Jupiter was Zeus. Snow and tinsel, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> No, Saturn was Saturn Hephaestus. Was he the Roman no. Vulcan of the god? No, no god he was Vulcan. Was, Saturn was the Roman god of agriculture and harvest. What was his Greek equivalent? Cronos. Uh, yep, Cronos. But that's not important. What is important is that Saturnalia. Right, the right. festival that celebrated Saturn's. Isn't it downright raunchy. It was. It was very raunchy. It was marked by tomfoolery and the reversal of social roles in which slaves and masters ostensibly switch places. And this happened. This was introduced around 217 BCE. Oh. Here's the thing: if you're a slave, right, and mm. your master says, "Hey, let's switch roles for the day." Yeah. I mean, really, are you going to really push the envelope? Because you know the next day you're going back to being the slave, right? right? Exactly, like, yeah. you're not going to, like, whip him or, you know, uh, have, you know, butt sex with him or anything mm-hmm. like that. Like, you're just, you know. Well, or un- would you? <laughs> unless you normally would. <laughs> yeah, unless that was, your, that was part of your regular job. It's, it's sort of one of those kind of uh, trickery. Like, you're like, really? I get to be the master for one day? Yeah, well, slaves were exempt from punishment and treated their masters with the pretense of disrespect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the slaves celebrated a banquet, but the reversal of social order was mostly superficial. I can imagine. Like, the banquet was prepared by the slaves, and they would prepare their master's dinner as well. So it's not like the masters were preparing the banquet for the slaves. I mean, that's not that crazy. So it was a license with careful boundaries. Mm -hmm. It reversed the social order without subverting it. It's kind of pretend role reversal. So Saturnalia was introduced to raise citizen morale after a crushing military defeat at the hands of the Carthaginians. Really? That late? And it was originally celebrated for a day on December 17th, uh, but its popularity saw it grow until it became a week-long extravaganza. Kind of like Mardi Gras. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was like the winter Mardi Gras oh. for Romans. All right. I'm, uh, I'm behind that. I'm up for celebrating Saturnalia. Are you up for some conventional sacrifices? Yeah. Are you up Only for, conventional. Are you up for a school holiday? Yeah. Are you up for the making and giving of small presents and y- a special market? Yeah. Are you up for some gambling allowed by all? Hell yeah. Then you are up for Saturnalia. Yeah, that does Saturnalia. sound like a good time, Let's actually. Let's do it, baby. So this was popular with the Romans. 
Right. And uh, also around this time in December, um, the pagans uh, celebrated a feast day to their sun god, Mithra. Oh, yeah. That's that creature that uh, rampages all over Japan every once in a while. You think <laughs> it's Mothra. Mothra. Oh. Close, though. We should have a moth- Mothmas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A Mithras. Eventually, all these things. Mithras just sounds like somebody saying Christmas, but they have a really bad speech impediment. <laughs> a lift. Merry Mythmith. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the theory to explain December 25th as Christmas Day, is most, that's most generally accepted by scholars, is that the birth of Christ was assigned to the date of the winter solstice. In an attempt to co-opt other celebrations by other faiths. Yeah. Because yeah. let's do a little role-playing here. All right. Okay. Kay. Who am I? You will be... <laughs> A pagan. All right. You'll be the Catholic Church. I'll be the Catholic Church. I'll be. Uh, or, or there really, it's not a Catholic Church yet. It's more. Just, it's just a bunch of Christians. I'll right? be. A, yeah. I'll be sure. I'll be a missionary. Okay. Hey, you should totally come over to our religion because it's awesome. Uh, I got a religion, dude, and it's pretty awesome too. I get to like have sex with Vestal Virgins and sacrifice animals and uh, have a pretty jolly old time. I mean, we're given presents in a special market and everything. Yeah, but we've got a heaven. After, where you go after you die. Yeah, we got, we, got a, we got an underworld where, you know, we swim in a river that makes us forget our previous lives. Yeah, but if you don't believe in our religion, then you will suffer eternal torment after your death. Oh, no, this doesn't sound like a very cool religion. I, I want to be able to do whatever I want on the earthly plane without any repercussions. Yeah, like like we've got that awesome party going on. Yeah, we got in, a week-long celebration. Is this party? Is this party? We got a week-long celebration. In... We give gifts. It's so much okay, fun. Okay. It's in a special you market. Get, you guys don't do that. Do you? Yeah, yeah, we do that. What? What? That's uh, that's that when uh, our savior, our Lord Savior, was born. Oh, really? so we can keep yeah. up the party. So you keep partying around the time that you normally party, right? And you'll be Christian. Huh. All right, and we'll uh, stop and then, bothering you. you know, and, then when we, and then when we die. <laughs> the eternal salvation. Good times forever. It's that... be like a Saturnalia for all eternity. Uh. <laughs> so the solstice, which is when days, of course, begin to lengthen in the northern hemisphere was referred to as pagans as the birthday of the unconquered sun. During the 3rd century, the emperor Aurelian proclaimed December 25th as a special day dedicated to Mithra. As Christianity began to dominate the religious scene in the Roman Empire, the date of the newborn sun should be chosen as the birthday of Christ. The, the newborn of, son of God. Yeah, exactly. not, not the newborn <laughs> S-U-N, the newborn yeah. S-O-N. Just like Uhura said in that episode of Star Trek. You switch one Again, letter. a really useless episode. <laughs> and? So let's so we can examine some of the uh, traditional Christmas stuff that is... Um, okay, like the gift giving. Yeah. That, that's pretty much a direct carryover from Saturnalia, obviously. Uh, Yule Logs. Uh, were mm-hmm. originally pag- was, a pagan Scandinavian deal where they would burn giant cold. fires. Yeah, because yeah. it was effing cold <laughs> and you wanted to like, survive the winter and <laughs> got to get your core temperature up so you the, don't die of hypothermia. The wreath was a pagan creation symbolizing the, the unending cycle of life, the rotation of the seasons. Yeah, yeah the, mm. the snake with its tail in its mouth, so to speak. Ouroboros. And then there's Santa Claus. Good old Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. Now, did you guys know that there was actually a St. Nicholas? I, I did. I don't know much about him. Well, he was Greek. Oh, really? He was a Greek saint who lived in the 300s. So it was a pa- St. Papa Nicholas, maybe, originally. And now you're not a, you're not actually a saint when you're alive, right? No, you got to die. You become a saint. They, yeah. they call you a saint could, later? Could be. I'm that, not sure. Not a lot of living saints. No? No. Well, there goes my plan. Um, <laughs> he had a reputation for secret gift giving. Uh, there is a legend that tells how a terrible famine struck the island I'm not sure which island, but... A Greek island, obviously. And a malicious butcher lured three little children into his house where he slaughtered and butchered them, placing their remains in a barrel to cure, planning to sell them off as ham. 
brilliant. Ooh, baby ham. This is Picton from like 3,000 years ago. <laughs> this is Robert Picton. St. Nicholas visiting the region to care for the hungry not only saw through the butcher's horrific crime, but also resurrected the three boys from the barrel by his prayers. A miracle. Uh, yep. So that's St. Nick. All right. There's more to it than that. but Resurrecting young boys. We're not they going should, yeah. we should, uh, why don't Murdered we, boys. Why don't they create some kind of like tradition where you know you hide children in barrels and pull them out? Yeah, that'd yeah. be a good Christmas. Day. Yeah, exactly. And now, uh, yeah, you've all been butchered. <laughs> Do you cover them in ketchup, cover them in tomato sauce or something. Kind of cranberry sauce. Yeah, there you go. Very seasonal. And then St. Nick comes down the chimney and opens the barrel. (laughs) Yeah, opens the barrel. We're alive! And lets you out and gives you presents. (laughs) And they all lick each other clean. Wait a minute. That was that weird guy down the street made us do that. In our Western culture, Santa has eight tiny reindeer. Uh In Europe, Sinterklaas rides the rooftops with his gray horse, Amerigo. Amerigo? Amerigo. Like is that is that the origins of the term a merry-go-round? No, <laughs> no. sir. That's highly spurious. <laughs> and in old Norse culture, Odin rides the sky with his gray horse Sleipner. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. and Odin are both depicted with a long beard. Yes. In sure. America, Santa has elves. Sinterklaas has a staff and mischievous helpers with black faces. <laughs> Which we'll talk about more. Black-faced, mischievous helpers? Yeah. And Odin has a spear and black ravens. So are we saying that we co-opted Odin? It's almost like these are all stories that are related and maybe have been modified by some sort of strange retelling orally. Children in pre-Christian Northwestern Europe would place their boots filled with carrots, straw, or sugar near the chimney for Odin's flying horse, Sleipner, to eat. (laughs) Odin would then reward those children for their kindness by replacing Sleipner's food with gifts or candy. Stockings hung by the chimney. I didn't know this about Odin. I didn't know he's such a nice guy. I always think of him as the gallows god. Yeah, he's the guy who throws lightning. Odin, one eye. Uh, Well, Thor mostly, actually, or Zeus. Odin threw lightning? He threw everything. I'm not saying he couldn't, but that wasn't his specialty. (laughs) Odin, one eye. Odin, the gallows god. The warrior king. He's he's kind of a badass. And he leaves presents for children who need his horse food. Well, children, thank you for the, for feeding my eight-legged horse, Sleipnir. I award you with these gifts and a promise that you will be able to serve me forever <laughs> in Valhalla as you fight until Ragnarok. <laughs> awesome. Yay! <laughs> what we're getting at here is that Sinterklaas is a, another Christian thieving... or. Borrowing or homage to homage to a uh, to Odin a pagan. What's the, what was the uh, word we used before? Co-opting. Yeah. Oh yeah. We know we've got that too. No, we we got a guy who gives out uh, gifts for kids who who are good. Yeah. But they Santa don't. Claus. They don't have to fight in in Valhalla forever until Ragnarok. They get to go to heaven and always have candy. Do you guys know about Krampus? I do, sort of. Yeah. Here's what I know. That's what ladies get once a month. Krampus comes, but once a month. Yeah. <laughs> He's, isn't he like the, the bound demon servant of uh, Sinterklaas? Exactly correct. Yeah. He's a bound demon servant, servant of Sinterklaas. St. Nicholas, or Niccolo in Austria slash Hungary, tests children with their catechism and good behavior. If they pass, he gives gifts and treats. If they fail, Krampus is set loose <laughs> to deal with these bad children. He uses a switch of twigs to beat them. And molests <laughs> the bad children in other ways, <laughs> giving them a taste of hell to come. Oh. I think it may be the non-sexual molesting, but... Yeah, probably Still. just... Ah, 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 
yeah, yeah, putting yeah. my fingers in your ears. <laughs> Giving them a taste of hell. Yeah. He comes disguised That's... as the sinister farmhand or servant named Ruprecht in Lutheran lands. <laughs> because Martin Luther tried to squelch demon superstitions. Right. This is crazy. This is this, this is more is just th- driving home. You better believe. No, th- this is the version of uh, he's making a list and he's checking it twice, seeing whether you're naughty or nice. That's what this is. Yeah. Except <laughs> in the modern version, you don't have a little demon come to torment you and give you an idea of hell to come. And we should bring this one back. We should. We, we won't call him Krampus. We'll call him like uh, Caustic Soda is. <laughs> Caustic. Caustus. Caustus. No, Krampus, the Caustic Soda demon. <laughs> and he well. He'll dress up and just go to uh, go to malls where Tell they're doing your- like pictures with Santa Clauses, and he'll run up and give children the taste of hell to come. Tell all your friends to listen to Caustic Soda, or I'm going to come molest you. <laughs> and black heater. This might be the most ill-conceived idea we've ever come up with. Um, that's all on you, pal. <laughs> I'm taking. I take no part of that. And sort of related is Black Peter, which is Sinterklaas's manservant. Black Peter was a companion to Sinterklaas, and he was sort of the physical opposite of St. Nicholas. He's Bizarro Santa. Tall and gaunt, (laughs) basically. Bizarro Santa, hate you. Bizarro Santa, give you gift. Pow. Bizarro Santa, take your gift. Tall and gaunt with a dark beard and hair, Black Peter was associated with the punitive side of Christmas. Uh, Of course, St. Nick would hand out presents to good children while it fell to Black Peter to dole out coal and sometimes knocks on the head. To children who misbehaved. <laughs> Known as Zwarte Piet in Dutch. Uh, this began in Holland in the 15th century. Oh, so a rather late addition. Yeah, his dark appearance is supposed to suggest a Spaniard, a reflection of Spain's <laughs> occupation of the Netherlands at the time. And in the Dutch Christmas mythos, I believe to this day, Santa lives not in the North Pole, but in Spain. What? Wow. When he's not doing his rounds. Santa lives in Spain? (laughs) Santa's got like a villa on the Mediterranean? If I was Santa, I'd rather live there than the North Pole. Yeah, well, no kidding. The Dutch Santa is obviously the smartest of all the Santas. (laughs) It's like, you know what they're going to start doing? They're going to start getting sponsors for for Christmas. They're going to like retell the myth like Santa, oh, he spends his uh, summer months on Carnival Cruise Lines and, uh, you know, uh, or he's down in Cabo San Lucas at Sandals. That fat guy with the beard and the red coat. Yeah, and it's going to be like the those, the six flag ads with a little old guy, except it's going to be Santa Claus dancing to techno music. <laughs> Black Peter was a euphemism for the devil, a.k.a. Spaniards. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he also carried a, a large stick and a bag to uh, stuff children in. And knock For them the on trip the head. back to Spain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they would, so Black Peter, Svarta Piet, if you'd been naughty, you'd get struck upon the head with a knudel, <laughs> <laughs> thrown into a sack and taken to Spain. Oh, no. Sound like, you know, except for the knock on the head, doesn't sound like a bad deal. <laughs> oh, no, this Mediterranean beach. <laughs> It's too yeah. sunny and beautiful. During recent years, the role of Svartpiet has become part of a recurring debate in the Netherlands. Present-day observations in the Netherlands under controversy include holiday revelers blacking their faces, wearing Afro wigs, gold jewelry, and bright red lipstick, speaking in a Surinese accent, which is a country north of Brazil, in case you're wondering, <laughs> and walking the streets, throwing candy to passers-by. Not sticks, but... It's a little yeah. racist. Just, yeah, yeah, just, just, a, a, just, just a smidge. <laughs> Just a little tiny blackface and, and accents. Just a little. 
Well, racist. It's yeah, got so. a racist undertone for sure. So that's uh, Black Peter and Krampus. The devils it. of Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I now, love how about, the fact how about Santa how Claus come, himself? Well, here's the thing. How come none of these like devil myths, I mean, we borrowed everything else from Christmas over here in North America, like all these other traditions mm-hmm. and whatnot. It's all these like pagan bastardizations from yeah. from legends in Europe. How come we didn't end up with I can an tell evil... you exactly why. Oh, and, lay as a matter of fact, it does lead into why Santa Claus looks the way he does over here. All right. Marketing. Oh, like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Pretty much. Santa Claus looks the way that we in North America think of him as looking, which is jolly and friendly with the red suit and the white trim and the mm-hmm. beard, uh, because Coca-Cola used him on advertisements back in uh, 1931, and it was in magazine ads. And so wait, what kind of Santa did we have before 1931? He looked more like the St. Nicholas that you'd see in the European uh, with depictions like the with the big, beard. long, the long pointy beard and the, pointy hat. and the pointy hat with the cross on top and yeah. things like that. Uh, much less jolly, much less, much less iconic, I guess you would say, you know, much more like just an old priest. Right. Uh, and the new one is much, you know, it's the, the red and the, the trim. But we and still didn't seem so to have I'm, Black Peter, though. Do right. We but what Peter? I'm saying is they wouldn't put Black Peter in an ad. To try to sell Coke. Right, to try to sell Coca-Cola. Right. You try to make it happy and friendly, and you're going to get gifts, and he's jolly, and you just edit out the negative stuff because mm-hmm. that's what you do in marketing. And that's I'm, I'm sure that's why we don't have him over here. So in like the 19th century, there might have been a Black Peter. Probably was. I, all sorts of different cultures came over to the melting pot of North America. So I'm yeah. sure that there were some kids being taught about you know, St. Nicholas and others being taught about uh, St. Nicholas and... Yep. Sinterklaas and all that. And then it, once the marketing took over, because apparently back in what was the 1930s or so, these magazines were incredibly widely read. Mm-hmm. Like, there, of course, no TV. It's um, like the YouTube of the 1930s. Was, yeah, think of it as the YouTube. Yeah. And, and these went viral. So everybody just saw that Santa Claus. <clears throat> and he gives gifts. And Coca-Cola tastes good. He gives Coca-Cola to all the good little kids. Yeah, because Coke during that time was thought more of as a summertime hot weather mm. drink. Right. So this was really a push to kind of get it into the all year round up their sales and, during the And Christmas I would say season. probably quite successful. Oh yeah, absolutely. I was a marketing genius, obviously. Yeah. In the news. 
2009, Stockholm, Sweden. Swedish villagers called Sami were herding 3,000 reindeer in the biannual trek through the forest and over a frozen river in north Sweden mid-November. The reindeer walked in a line. After crossing the river, the lead reindeer got spooked and suddenly turned around for unknown reasons. Confusion rapidly spread through the herd, and the trek turned into chaos. The herd started to run in circles, and the ice broke. Reindeer after reindeer spilled into the ice-cold water, then fought to save themselves from drowning. The reindeer herders moved along on scooters, but they remained helpless as more reindeer, mainly females and their calves, fell into the water. More ice broke as the animals tried to claw and clamber their way onto solid ice. Nothing like this has ever happened. <laughs> my Swedish is the same as all of my Scandinavian, <laughs> Scandinavian yeah. accent. It's okay. They pretty much all sound the same. Said devastated reindeer keeper Bertel Kilatis. It is a tragedy in many ways, especially for the animals that have suffered, <laughs> who stand there and witness the animals fighting in the water and not being able to do anything to help them is not nice. Perfect. But the reindeer are raised for meat, but also for their milk. Has anybody tried reindeer meat? Uh, I haven't, no. Oh, I totally want to now. I want I, some reindeer milk for my reindeer smoothie. I need some reindeer milk to wash down my reindeer burger. So the devastated Sami village wanted to bury the reindeer by spreading them in the nearby mountains. But the Swedish Board of Agriculture said spreading the bodies, the bodies among the mountains is banned by European law. Then what came, do you mean spreading Like mulching them and like firing them out of a cannon or something? I'm not like, sure. Could be just... Just dropping just them every dropping couple them. of feet. Yeah, I'm not just sure. Just letting them decompose. Spreading them in the nearby mountains like you do with butter on toast. <laughs> reindeer, now I want reindeer butter. Then came the offer from a Norwegian energy company. The Sami were shocked. Uh, what is the offer? The carcasses could be milled, dried, and sterilized, Norwegian Protein Corp suggested, and the Christmas icons could be turned into biofuel, as the company does with the carcasses of farm animals that die in accidents or because of old age. It will be bone flour and fat. The flour will be burned and the fat used as heating oil. Both products we extract would be clean energy products, said Bjarn, oh, sorry, I didn't do the accent, said Bjarn Hagen, director of the Norwegian Protein Corp. This is against Sami tradition. It is not Sami practice to burn bones and animals. They, these are animals that we know, and a lot of feelings are involved, even though we were going to kill them anyway. <laughs> that last part you added. Yeah, right? I added that yeah, last sentence. That's what I thought. <laughs> that was uh, Jakob Nygaard, vice chairman in Surge Village. So the reindeer herders from Surge decided to move the 291 reindeer to Jokmok in far north Sweden by a helicopter. The reindeer will be buried and honored at a cemetery in the city. Their hmm. carcasses have been slowly removed from the ice using chainsaws. <laughs> Very humane, by the way. I, yeah. uh, God forbid that they should send them to a factory to be turned into biofuel. Instead, we will chop them out of the ice with chainsaws and fly them by helicopter. Yeah, but I don't understand is if you were going to kill them for meat anyway, yeah. like, and yeah. they've drowned and are frozen... Maybe that's they, like maybe they don't like two freezer steps burn? that they're practically what do they call those uh, like Swanson's <laughs> Swanson. like instant man. dinner, hungry man dinner right there, like TV dinners. Right? Yeah, I don't exactly. understand why you can't thaw them out and eat them. Yeah, it's prepackaged basically. Jakob Nagard said, "This is the option that feels most ethically and morally right. They will ask the government for economic assistance because the transportation and the burial space will be expensive. This is crazy." <laughs> Yeah. This is, this is just it weird is. to me. Animals that were raised for meat that because they died in a river that they need to be... And there are be, feelings involved. That they need to fly them north and bury them in the countryside as opposed to just 
send their bodies elsewhere. Kind of blows my mind. There's no logic involved here. This is not logical. But I guess no. this is the same thing about most people that own dogs. Yeah, if you raise your dog for dog meat, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, they, they have the illogical, like, sometimes they don't logically uh, right. react to They'll get them stuffed dogs. and yeah. mounted on the mantle after they Well, die. I mean, it's, it's an emotional response, but I just find it odd that they're having an emotional response to a food animal. To, or their cattle yeah. they were going to so, kill anyway. Yeah, it's it like a farmer's strange. cow. Like, yes, you kind of like the cow, but you were going to eat it. I once, uh, I was at my, my grandparents' house, and they had a picture of my dad, who grew up on a farm. They had a picture of my dad next to this cow. And I, he was a member of the 4-H club, and as mm-hmm. a member of the 4-H club, one of the things he was assigned to do was to raise a cow from a calf. And, uh, and so I said, Dad, what'd you name your cow? And he kind of looked at me sideways. He says, you don't name a cow, you eat it. <laughs> and I think that pretty much sums up what these guys should have been saying after yeah. this like, tragic accident. He'd be like, oh, it's a damn shame we're not going to get to eat these reindeer, but they're reindeer, so who cares? Yeah. Move on. And then they just could have eaten the reindeer as far as I'm concerned. Unless the river was polluted with arsenic or something and all got <laughs> soaked into their reindeer hides. The river arsenic. Yeah. But that's just one of many Christmas tragedies. Let's review. All right. Some Christmas tragedies. Uh, I love Christmas tragedies. Well, I've got 2008 Christmas massacres in the Congo. Oh, tell me more. It took place between the 24th and 27th of December in 2008, where the Lord's Resistance Army, or LRA, which is an apocalyptic Christian slash mysticism cult type group. So like the Jonestown. Kind of, yeah. Uh, they're a Ugandan rebel group. They attacked several villages in the Haute-Ule province in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. More than 400 people were killed. Many of them hacked into pieces, decapitated, burned alive in their homes. Several people reportedly had their lips cut off. Oh, my God. As a warning not to speak ill of the rebels. And two three-year-old girls suffered serious neck injuries when rebels tried to twist their heads off. Mm-hmm. Well, that's pretty terrible. It's pretty terrible. It's pretty terrible. There's also uh, the USAF accidentally bombed Switzerland in 1944. On Christmas Day? Oops. And yeah, yeah. We Qu- thought we were I'm dropping- air quoting accidentally right now. We thought we were dropping presents. <laughs> Exploding put, presents. Put this in your stocking. Hiding 19- <laughs> Nazi gold. Kaboom, kaboom, kaboom. 1979, the Soviet Union invades Afghanistan. On Christmas Day? Yeah. Well, I guess it really wouldn't have mattered for you know. Actually, maybe that's ill plan. They probably should have waited for like Ramadan or something. Like, <laughs> I'm just saying, where was Santa when all this happened? <laughs> he was in a uh, an attack helicopter. And famously, in 1992, Queen Elizabeth II gives her Anus Horribilis Christmas message. Anus Horribilis. <laughs> Anus Horribilis. She normally gives an an annual message called Anus Mirabilis. Oh, so like a miracle of the year. Yeah, right. And this year she just kind of complained. Oh, of all the terrible (laughs) things that happened. Called it the Anabilis. Called it the Anus Horribilis. Uh Criticized for being too too self-indulgent in her own misfortunes while ignoring the suffering experienced in Bosnia, Somalia, and other parts of the world that year. So the queen is the selfish bitch is what we're learning here. On the positive side, the uh, 1914 Christmas truce. It's not very caustic soda. Yeah, we're all about the negative spin. <laughs> they, they were, they're in the horrible trenches and it's stopped true. fighting and played soccer. And then shot each other in the face the next and day. And then later on did that, yeah. Oh, I guess we better talk about and it. They, and they, some all of right, them, what was the Christmas truce? In World War One, the uh, German and British or French troops along the Western Front uh, at Christmas just kind of called an informal ceasefire. Apparently the German troops had started decorating their trench for Christmas and that just got everybody in a better mood. And they it's ended a whole up... new meaning to O Tannenbaum. <laughs> oh, nice one. I was going to say, all quiet on the Western Front, not even a mouse could be heard. 
Uh, mine was better. <laughs> it's true, it was. They ended up getting out of the trenches, approaching each other without weapons, and played a game of soccer together. I've heard that some of them traded family photographs I seem with to, each other. I seem to remember something about this in a movie. Was it in All Quiet on the Western Front? I don't know. There was something I've seen this in a movie. It was in Silent well, Night on the Western Front. Uh, maybe apocryphal, but one of the tales is that, of course, afterwards, after the truce was over, they went back to their respective trenches after having traded family photos with each other. Uh, and then they, of course, later on, there was a push and they attacked each other. And one of the guys found his family photo on a dead body. On a dead body. Of somebody meaning, that he had bayoneted in yeah, the face. Probably. In a Santa costume. <laughs> in a Santa costume. Well, it must be time for. The lesser of two evils. Which is a lesser evil? Being molested, quote unquote, by Krampus right. <laughs> with his birch switch and uh, his bag, or being kidnapped by pirates. Ah, but mm-hmm. hold on a sec. Call back to the pirates episode. Um, yar, yar, yar. Modern, like, Somali pirates or pirates on the, like, Caribbean main? I'm going to go with antiquity pirates. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, but not but not movie ones where they're secretly jolly where nice all, guys. Where they're all super good looking and yeah. all very sexy. It's like, oh, if only if it weren't for the horrible government, we would be just regular people. No, these mm. were actual criminals. Yeah. Uh, and I guess I could criminal. I could mention that uh, Zvarta Piet is also supposed to be of uh, a pirate origin as well. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. Pirates in antiquity or uh, Krampus. Krampus. Krampus, I, there's no way, it, nowhere in the uh, in the mythology that Krampus is going to make you walk the plank or, uh, you know, stick you with a, a scepter or... Stick you with a scepter? No, not a scepter. Sorry, it's the, the scimitar. Like those, <laughs> oh, yes. Sorry. You know... Uh, a cutlass. Uh, a cutlass, yeah. <laughs> or even a rapier. Yeah. <laughs> the most unfortunately named of all the swords. Yeah, you know, none of this is going to happen. You can't become an unwilling receptacle for butt sex, which pirates undoubtedly did. Oh, one of those Krampus is molesting you. All I know is that there, there's no danger of death in Krampus's hands. Yeah. Emotional scars at worst. Mm-hmm. I envision Krampus's molestations to be like dancing around you going, <laughs> poking you and yeah. and like tousling your hair and just kicking you in the butt with his hoof or something yeah, like that. And, you know, even if you take it all the way to the extent and he's like actually fondles your balls. It's not right? like he's going to eat you or something. Yeah, no, right? if he actually fondles your balls, I mean, the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to need some therapy. But on the flip side, it is possible that the pirates, after having kidnapped you, might go, hey, you can clean the deck and once you work it off, you can become a pirate. That is true. Us. They do kidnap people. And turn them into pirates themselves. Yeah. Make them join the crew. Although that's not guaranteed. No, it's not guaranteed. But that is uh, that's, so something super cool could come out of being right. kidnapped by pirates. You could become a pirate yourself. Ooh, you've thrown a wrench in my plan here. <laughs> but what if Krampus does the same thing? He might turn you into a demon heckling children. Yeah. <laughs> you do the that's laugh a pretty again. good gig. You gotta do the laugh again. <laughs> What's that? The Krampus laugh. <laughs> Yeah, you get to do that all day. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know. I think I think my mouth would get tired of holding that snarly position. Not mine. Um, I think I'm still going to go with Krampus because the, the, the upside, although not very high, the downside is not very low. So I'm going to like stick with the median. Yeah. Torn? I, I'm going to say Krampus because I don't want to work on a f-ing boat. <laughs> yeah. even, even if that's if that's the best situation, you get to work on a boat. Yeah. Ass. You got a seasickness? To... Hold on. You got a seasickness issue? No, this is an- antiquity boats. Yeah. yeah. They just the suck. boats of antiquity. Yeah. And, and also they're pirates. They make it shot at. Yeah, but they got winches. And sharks. They, they, they don't, don't have winches, winches on pirate, on pirate ships. ships. No, when you stop in port. Yeah, but that's Krampus. only for the pirates. <laughs> 
Krampus. <laughs> Maybe Krampus will stick a wench in your in the bag with you. Uh, <laughs> um, I get bagged by shake, Krampus if there's a wench in there. Shake and bake wenches. I was trying to get you guys to go pirates, but that's mostly because I was going to go Krampus as well. Uh, and the reason is because Krampus probably only has power that one day out of the year. Right. right. The longest you're going to be in that sack is, is December 25th. Maybe Boxing Day. Maybe he forgets about you. Yeah. Oh, he's ah! Got, so, ah! Sorry. Go on. He's got so many naughty kids in, in satchels yeah. all over the countryside. It takes him a, takes him a couple of days to get to you. My, and also, it would be kind of neat to go, oh, wow, that's a demon. I got demoned. I got molested by a demon. <laughs> How about that? Evidence. Yeah, you like, about, you like the scars. <laughs> Where'd you get that? That big red mark on your neck. <laughs> that was Krampus. Krampus. Krampus welted me with his uh, with birch his switch. switch. Did did he make you pick your own switch? Do you make you pick the switch yourself that he beat you with? No, no. That would no. be just insult to injury. He had his own switch chosen carefully out of thousands. <laughs> hey, no wider than a thumb. No wider than a man's thumb. <laughs> no, that's only for beating women. Yeah. Uh, well, naughty little girl children. I can beat you with any size switch I want. <laughs> The biggest switch at, you can carry. At what point in time does it cease being a stick and becomes a switch? Like a uh, switch is, is switch, whippy. Switch, switch is, is whippy, whippy. Yeah. yeah. As soon as it's so it done, can't be that thick. Can't be that thick unless you're like whipping you from really far away. <laughs> what if what if I just make it less and less solid as it gets bigger? Like eventually it becomes like tree branch size, except it's made out of like licorice. Ah, nice. So it's still wobbly and switchy, <laughs> but I'm like just wailing on you with it. <laughs> whoosh, whoosh. Mm, licorice whip. And other news. Not really news, just sort of a comment on modern spending All right. Christmas. Oh, tell us, tell us more, Mr. Hippie Socialist. <laughs> I will. The analysis of uh, modern-day economists calculate that, despite increased overall spending, Christmas is a deadweight loss under orthodox microeconomic theory. Huh. Yeah. Why is dead that? Deadweight loss. Because Sounds the, like what Joe's trying to do these days. Because of the effect yeah. of gift-giving. This loss is calculated as the difference between what the gift giver spent on the item and what the gift re- receiver would have paid for the item. What? Oh, like if you're buying it for someone else, you spend more than if you would have bought it for yourself. If I buy something and give it to you for $20 and you buy something and give it to me for $20, it's it's a loss because I spent 20 and got something worth 20 and so did you. Is that what he's saying? I have no I don't understand microeconomic theory. Orthodox or no. But either way, we both went out and bought something we wouldn't have bought, and that stimulates the economy. So isn't that good? It is estimated in 2001 Christmas resulted in a $4 billion deadweight loss in the U.S. alone. Other deadweight losses include the effects of Christmas on the environment and the fact that material gifts are often perceived as white elephants, imposing cost for upkeep and storage and contributing to clutter. But, I I, I mean, Joe's stimulating the economy comment is salient, right? Because that's like... Without Christmas, most you know, I tried to research business. what deadweight Dead. loss meant in economic terms. Yeah, and I could not figure it out. Like you found something and you just didn't know what it yeah, meant. Yeah, I just have no idea. There's terms. Well, I'm glad you've brought it up then. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, deadweight loss. Here we go. Yeah. Maybe you can look on Wikipedia. I did. I looked on Wikipedia. <laughs> I don't think you did. There were words there. There's graphs. In I'm economics, an artist, man. in economics, a deadweight loss, also known as excessive burden or allocative inefficiency, yeah, is there a, you go. Is allocative a, inefficiency. Yeah, Kevin. <laughs> duh. Is a it, loss of economic efficiency that can occur when equilibrium for good or service is not Pareto optimal. Yeah, Thanks, see? Wikipedia. <laughs> it's, in, oh, wait, wait. In other words, in, in the other sim- words, in other words, either people who would have more marginal benefit than marginal cost are not buying a product, or people who would have more marginal cost than marginal benefit are buying the product. Crystal what? clear. <laughs> no. Crystal clear. Uh, hey, economists. Uh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the simplest terms, I'll put it this way. 
on the graph, it's the yellow part. My point is that Christmas is a bunch of crap. <laughs> Christmas, <laughs> Christmas means you're buying a bunch of crap for people because of obligation. Yeah. And they either don't want it or don't need it or it will actually create a burden. Oh, you know what this is like? Uh? This is like that extreme makeover home edition show. Mm-hmm. What started happening, they're on like third or four, three or four seasons of this crap, whatever, that guy who just yells through a bullhorn, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Is this and an the, explanation of Christmas or deadweight loss? It, I think it might lead to deadweight loss. Because <laughs> what happens, what happens... They, He's super stoked about it, whatever oh yeah, it is. They take these like shitty little ramshackle shacks that like people who have like disabilities yeah. and they've lost their job and they've got all these problems, whatever, and they knock that shitty little shanty down and they build like a 4,000 square foot mansion that... Has like you know uh, wheelchair ramps and elevators and whole nine yards, and, yeah. and what happens is these people's incomes don't increase, but right. their property values go through the roof. Okay, so then they can't afford to pay the property taxes on their new homes. Oh, nice! And so something in the ballpark of like sixty or seventy percent of the people who've received new homes on that home edition extreme makeover show have since either lost them or have been forced to move out. As a result, they have, them, yeah. they have to sell them, or they, or they, or they simply lose them to foreclosure because they can't afford the upkeep and whatnot. I've gotten to the maybe point that's dead weight loss. No, oh, I've gotten to the point where uh, my Christmas wish list includes used items. Like, I, oh, so. if you're going to get me a movie, I, I would prefer you get me like a used DVD. Mm-hmm. You're such a hippie. Yeah, sometimes I'm a hippie. Uh, with my family and Deal I with it. have have, uh, <laughs> have stopped exchanging gifts for Christmas. Oh yeah. It is kind of nice when somebody finds that one thing that's great for you, but it's most of the time it's just junk that you don't need. But we still buy gifts for my niece, who is 10. And Yeah, uh, I'm totally for like Christmas. Kids. Christmas for kids. Getting gifts Absolutely. for kids. Absolutely. What's the cutoff age? Probably at the time when they start smoking. <laughs> sure. Yeah, whatever time Salt, that may you know? be. Like yeah. if they hit 13 <laughs> and start early, oh, you're done. Yeah. Actually, that's a good way to get them to not smoke. <laughs> yeah. 19 or when you start smoking. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you started smoking? Well, I guess that means no more gifts from Santa ever again. Perfect. Gifts from Krampus, though. Yeah. <laughs> Knocks on the head from Black Peter. The lump of coal, but it goes straight to your lungs. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is everybody's favorite Christmas movie? Because there's so many of them, and uh, everybody's got to have a runaway favorite. I haven't seen Christmas Evil, Black Christmas, or Bad Santa, which no, are the either. three Bad Santa is evil. pretty Christmas movies. Bad Santa was the funniest movie of the year, the year it came out. Yeah. I still haven't watched it. Without a doubt. I I was a fan of uh, Lauren Graham, the girl from the Gilmore Girls. I was a fan of her since she'd been on News Radio, which was my favorite show of the uh, the time when it was on. Big crush on her, Mm -hmm. and uh, she's the female lead in Bad Santa. And and there's a little fat kid that they make fun of constantly, and Billy Bob Thornton is brilliant, and John Ritter has to deal with multiple anal sex jokes, and (laughs) It's really awesome. I quite enjoy Scrooged. Oh, yeah. That was a really good Bill one. Bill Murray. I appreciate what they're trying to do, but eh, yeah. Gremlins. Gremlins, yeah. It pretty... Oh, yeah. It's, it's during the Christmas season. I like that yeah. one. Do you know what else was yeah. really, uh, actually, possibly my favorite set during the Christmas season uh, movie is Die Hard, mm-hmm. the first one. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's a Christmas party. They, they have the Christmas party at Nakatomi yeah, Plaza. That's a good time. A yeah, great, absolutely. great movie. My other favorite of mine would be Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's hard awesome. to call that. A, it's kind of a Halloween movie. It's kind of a Christmas movie. That's what makes it so great. I know. It is. Also the singing. There's an upcoming movie that's kind of exciting me, and I don't know if you guys have heard about this. In Your Pants? In My Pants. It's called Rare Exports. It's a oh, Finnish movie. It. It's, uh, I have heard about it. It's based on, you can find the original short on it on uh, YouTube, and there's actually a trailer, and I'll link, 
I'll try and link both. And it's about people who hunt wild Santa Clauses to bring them in and train them to be Santas in stores. Nice. That's what the short is about. And then it seems like the extended one is that there's one Santa Claus that some huge corporation digs up, but yeah. then he breaks free and these hunters capture him and try to make a deal or something. Yeah, it's really he's, weird looking. He's got some, um, it, all his elves are kind of evil or something like this. And Yeah, it's really dark and yeah, weird. Yeah, like, no, his... Sounds uh, like Krampus the movie. Yeah, no, and he's, he's kidnapping children. I think he is kidnapping children. <laughs> like, there's a scene here where they're standing and looking at uh, all these dead car- reindeer carcasses, and the, the uh, subtitle says, what kind of wolves would do this? Big and nasty ones. And the answer later on is, wild Santas did this. Mm. Anybody want to talk about uh, their least favorite Christmas movies of all time? The movies that are on every year that drives them crazy that they're a Christmas staple. Are you going to say It's a Wonderful Life? Yes. Oh, I like it. Oh, I, I watched it for the first movie. time last night. Yep. It is all the, the most overrated film of all time. It made water come out of my eye. Did it? Yeah. Yeah. I okay. Oh. I, I don't think I actually teared up, but I, I thought it was I thought it was charming and nice no. and I hate that movie. Okay. Oh, another one that actually uh people don't talk about very much, I think it was great, uh relatively new was uh, Elf. Will Farrell. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. Shot in Vancouver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shot in Vancouver, really funny. And he just plays that role like well, yeah, no just, mugging to the audience at all. Like yeah, the, full the, on straight. The brilliant part is that he never breaks character. Right, like, exactly. He is just in the character all the time, and that was essential to making that movie watchable at all. Yeah, like when he jumps, bounces off the couch, and jumps on that Christmas tree. Yeah, it's pretty effing funny. <laughs> yeah, so if you haven't seen Elf, that's that that would be a great renter. Like rent that one and watch it. You're a mean one, Mister Grinch. I actually your heart's an empty hole. <laughs> your brain is full of spiders. You've got garlic in your soul, Mister Grinch. I wouldn't touch you with a 39 and a half foot pole. Well, nice well done, sir. Nicely done. <laughs> I like the animated one, and I like the live action Jim Carrey one. I've never seen the live action. It's, a, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I like the, I like the animated one better, though. I remember uh, hearing there's the some major costume, costume problems, uh, or he had to do something really extreme to wear that Grinch costume. He probably had to sit in a chair for at least three or four hours every day to put that thing on. It was basically torture. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean... And having worn a spacesuit myself recently, yeah. uh, I but can imagine empathize having, to some extent. Imagine but. having a spacesuit glued to your body. So apparently the Grinch costume was so painful he had to get tips from a U.S. Navy SEAL on how to defer pain. Nice. And get used to what he had to do. And right. he, at one point he, scr- he got, his corneas got scratched and he had to stop working. Maybe that's why he's so crazy now. Maybe that's why he's so he was, grinchy. He was gri- driven insane by the pain. Flu vaccinations did this to me. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, nice I, it's a good movie. Has anyone seen Santa Claus Conquers the Martians? Uh, bits no. and pieces. Yeah. I've seen some of it, uh, the Mystery Science Theater 3000 yeah. version, but I okay. haven't watched. Even so, I wasn't able to watch it all the way through. The very, very, very first South Park cartoon of all time was Santa versus Jesus. That was, that was a good one. Uh, commentary on you know the religious versus the commercial aspects of... Yeah, South Park can complain about Christmas much more profoundly than I ever could. Yeah, they did a pretty good job of it. I mean, hey, they got an entire series out of it, so... Yeah, it's a wonderful little story about those guys. Yeah. Like, they just made that in their basement, basically, or their garage. Oh, yeah, because it was, like, the most basic of all animation techniques you could ever possibly... It was, like, paper cutouts. 
And apparently they tried to do the series that way, and within two episodes they were like, this is mental, we can't do this Screw anymore. this. The Santa Claus with uh, Tim Allen. Tim uh, Allen. I haven't seen it. No. I thought, you know what, I thought the premise was really clever. And for a kid's film, but, you know, finely executed. Okay. That, like, the Santa Claus is an office as opposed to a person, and so Tim Allen, did he kill, he accidentally killed Santa Claus, and so... He had to become the new Santa Claus did or something? He, did he kill him or just injure him? Yeah, he took him out of the equation yeah, or something, somehow. right? Comic books. Uh, the first that popped into my head instantly is the much-beloved, at least by me, the Lobo Paramilitary Christmas Special. Ah, uh, yes. Where Classic the, uh, 80s. Where uh, <laughs> Lobo being the DC Comics uh, intergalactic bounty, bounty hunter, hunter yeah. slash, I guess, assassin. He's like the anti-hero that, yeah, uh, yeah. that kind of exemplified the 90s in comics book. Comic General books. misanthrope. He killed everybody on his entire planet for a science project mm-hmm. when he was a kid. Yeah. But in this, he is hired by the Easter Bunny to uh, take out... Santa, Santa Claus. So that the Easter Bunny will become the premier yeah. holiday figure. That's right. The Easter Bunny's jealous. Very funny. But it turns out that uh, good old Saint Nick is pretty handy with a knife. <laughs> and uh, so some ultra violence ensues between the two of them. This but, totally sounds like a Keith Giffen plot. This sounds like it should be an ambush bug. Pretty funny that you would mention that it sounds like a Keith Giffen plot. Because look right there on the cover. Keith Giffen. Look at this guy, knowing his comic book writers. Keith Giffen, Alan Grant, and Simon Bisley. I love the biz. Yeah, I love the biz. (laughs) As much as Lobo was, like you say, like an example of the ridiculous over-the-top violence of the time and everybody being super cool and all that stuff, I loved the Lobo comics. In summary, make sure you fill your stockings with lots of caustic soda. Torn, how about your worst Christmas experience? Do you have one? I just remember, (laughs) this is kind of heartwarming, actually. Okay, B- All right. that's a good one. Torin, can you think of your best Christmas experience? Uh, I was uh, I was home alone on Christmas one day, just because I was like, ah, Christmas, whatever. And uh, I decided to order Chinese food for my Christmas dinner. All right. So the Chinese food arrived, and it was uh, the delivery driver brought his daughter out with him. Like, I don't know, like an 11-year-old kid. Uh-huh. And uh, I thought that was really cute and, and, and nice, because Chinese probably don't really celebrate Christmas. And as I was not doing that day. Mm. And when I finished my mail, I was just, hmm, this is really sad. <laughs> it, was, it was really sad, what, that you were alone? Just, just, uh, yeah, I just felt. He's, he's got I, his daughter with him. <laughs> yeah, I am by myself on Christmas <laughs> Day. I didn't think it was going to be, thought it was going to be fine, but I feel sad. I remember the year that I asked for anything G.I. Joe. I mm. must have been like 10. I'm just like, I don't care, G.I. Joe, go crazy. And all you and got was GoBots. It was G.I. Joe Overload. I got G.I. Joe Pajamas. I got I got the I got the Rattler the Cobra Jet. Wow! I got uh, um, the Rattler. Yeah, the Rattler as well. I got. And this the, is a bad experience. No, this is the oh. most awesome Christmas oh, okay. ever. Uh, what else? I got uh, like four action fi- like every single gift I got was GI Joe related, and I was mm-hmm. over the moon. Wow! Uh, my least favorite Christmas experience of all time was doing the Christmas episode for Caustic Soda. <laughs> yeah, I, how depressing. <laughs> and now these messages I have an announcement The Darkest of the Hillside Thickets My Lovecraftian Rock and Roll Ensemble Which you have heard on this podcast uh, Is playing at Cthulhu Palooza 2 Son of Cthulhu Palooza On Saturday, February 19th, 2011 uh, At the Rickshaw Theatre 240, uh, 254 East Hastings Street, Vancouver, B.C. There will be many short films of a Lovecraftian variety. There will be a Cthulhu cake competition. 
there will be the release of our brand new video for 20 Minutes of Oxygen, which is amazing, and uh, lots of other cool stuff. So make sure you come to that and visit us on Facebook and go to Tulupalooza.com for updates on that. And uh, if you'd like to get involved in some way, then please uh, email info at secondlevelwizards.com as Second Level Wizards is the organization that is uh, putting this on. We'll all be there. All the Caustic Soda guys will be there. So it'll be like a party. 